Good morning. Haven't we had an awesome time of worship this morning? Amen. Thank you, Pastor Phil, for sharing your song and for the choir and the orchestra staying over for second hour. When I found out this week that both services were going to be the same, I was just a little disappointed because I never get to be here in second service. But this was awesome. This was great. And, and I'm so thankful to be able to be here this morning and to share with you a message that the, the Lord has placed on my heart. And we know that it is all because God's amazing grace that we're able to be here today. Right? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Today is part of the Memorial Weekend, and, and um, just a little background to Memorial Day. It was started uh, three years following the Civil War when um, they decided that they would decorate the graves of soldiers who had lost their life during the Civil War. And they decided that it would be observed on May 30th. Now, the interesting thing about picking out May 30th is they felt like they wanted to decorate the graves with flowers, and by that time, the spring flowers would all be in full bloom, and they could do a good job of decorating the graves. That's the only reason why it was started in May. The United States Congress recognized Decoration Day as a federal holiday in 1938. The name Memorial Day became more commonplace after World War II. And then it's interesting that um, it was officially adopted to be on the Monday of the last Monday of May in 1967. And as I was looking at this, I, I didn't realize Maybe some of you did, but in the year 2000, uh, Congress and the President passed what was signed into law, the National Moment of Remembrance Act. And this just encouraged all Americans to pause at 3 p.m. local time on Memorial Day for a moment of silence to honor those who have died and sacrifice their life for our freedom and for our nation. So tomorrow you might, might think of that at 3 p.m. As you go around to the national cemeteries and even uh, most cemeteries, there will be small flags placed at the grave of the fallen soldiers that have served this country. It's interesting that in all of the national cemeteries, what a moving experience that is to be there on Memorial Day, which I have uh, one time. Many of you also remember those who you were close to, family members, and um, you memorialized them as well during this time. 
The scriptures also talk about accounts of remembering and memorializing. They're great spiritual experiences in our lives and in the lives of those who uh, serve the Lord. For believers, when we partake of the Lord's Supper, it is a memorial supper because we remember and think about what Christ did for us, the sacrifice that He made for our redemption and purchased our salvation. And even as He was sharing with His disciples, what did He say? Do this in remembrance of Me. So this is something significant to us as Christ followers. Another memorial is found in Joshua chapter 4. And I'd like for you to stand out of respect for God's Word as I read from Joshua 4, beginning with verse 6. Joshua 4, beginning with verse 6. In the future, your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them, they remind us that the Jordan River stopped, stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. And these stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. Would you bow with me in prayer? Father, these stones of remembrance that we're reading about represent more than just a pile of rocks. Help us to clearly see their significance and how all of us have stones of remembrance in our own lives that cause us to acknowledge who you are and what you have been and how you continue to work in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So I've placed up here 12 stones just to kind of give you a visual of what this means when we think about stones of remembrance. And I want to read chapter 4, beginning with verse 1, to kind of give a little bit more of what took place. When all the people had crossed the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Now choose twelve men, one from each tribe, and tell them, take twelve stones from the very place where the priests are standing in the middle of the Jordan. Carry them out, pile them up at the place where you will camp tonight. And so Joshua called together the twelve men he had chosen, one from each of the tribes of Israel. And he told them, go into the middle of the Jordan, in front of the ark of the Lord, your God, and each of you must pick up one stone, carry it out on your shoulder, 12 stones in all, one for each of the 12 tribes of Israel. We will use these stones to build a memorial. So as we think about this passage, 
The Israelites have been going through the wilderness on their wilderness journey for 40 years. And so this was a very significant time in the history of this nation. As they come to the land that God had promised, God had given to them after 40 years of being in the wilderness. And as they come to the Jordan, the Jordan dries up and they walk across the Jordan River. And they pull from the river these stones, which are much larger, would be much larger than what um, <clears throat> these are. I didn't necessarily have to carry them on my shoulder. I could just pick them up and place them there. But it was very significant because the Lord wanted the Israelites to always be reminded of significant things that had happened to this nation. When you think about it, in all of our lives, no matter who we are, no matter our age, no, no matter uh, our stature, no matter our position, no matter of any external experiences or influences or circumstances, we have stones of remembrance that are significant to us. I'm not talking about just everyday things or everyday life. I'm talking about major experiences that we have had that cause us to always go back to that place and that time when something reminds us. And I hope that as you think about this, and as you think about these stones of remembrance that Joshua had the Israelites build and pile up to remember what God had done, I hope that you will remember that these stones of remembrance in our own lives also remind us of things too. I imagine when I even mentioned some of those experiences and significant events in your life that, that you may have just kind of visited one, just gone back to, to think about, you know, I, I did have that experience. I do remember that. And maybe it even was so uh, impactful in your life that, that you feel a little bit of emotion when you go back and think about those things. We may not understand what the stones mean, but we truly think about what they represent. There are three realities that I believe are experienced when Christ followers remember the significant, life-changing, life-altering events that we've experienced in our lives as the Israelites experienced. Now, I'm not saying that there are just three, but I do believe that the three that I want to share this morning are primary, and they are always present, and they are a part of who we are. The first one is this. God's Word is truth, and it is trustworthy. Let me say that again. God's Word 
His word is truth and it is trustworthy. I didn't want to just say that God's word is truth without you understanding and realizing that it is trustworthy as well that you can depend upon it, you can trust it, you can look to it and know that what God has said, God has promised, it is trustworthy. I want to take you back to Genesis chapter 12 for just a moment. In Genesis chapter 12, we read of a man by the name of Abram. He would become Abraham, but at this time, he was Abram. And as God uh, was, uh, the Lord was talking to Abram, he said, I am going to make you the father of a great nation of people. It will be a multitude, it will be a, a large, it will be a huge nation. And when you think about when the Israelites left Egypt out of their captivity, the Bible says that there were 450,000 that left Egypt to go uh, to the promised land. And so we already see at this time, it is a great number of people, a great nation. But, but uh, Abraham is told that he is going to be the father that the descendants of Abraham would be this great nation. And then the second thing that the Lord did at that time is he led Abraham or Abram to a land that was far from where his relatives lived. And it was the land of Canaan. And in Hebrews chapter 11, we read that Abraham was faithful in following the Lord, not knowing where he was going. But he was faithful in following the Lord, and the Lord took him to the land of Canaan, and he showed him this land, and he lived in this land, and he said, I will give your descendants this land. And it's amazing to think that now, six to seven hundred years later, here are the Israelites ready to go into the promised land that was promised to Abraham, and here they were ready to go in and possess the land that God had told Abraham they would dwell in and they would live in, where they would become this great nation. It's interesting to me that even after 700 years, that God's Word, God's Word is still truth and it is trustworthy. I love this verse in John, in John chapter 17, verse 17. It says this, it's, it's the priestly prayer that Jesus prayed the night that he was arrested and before he was crucified the next day. He says this, Jesus prays this, sanctify them in the truth, your word is truth. Now that's a definitive statement a strong, powerful statement. And Jesus is praying for His followers. He's praying for His disciples. But He's praying for the church 
that would be here set many years later, centuries later, that word is still true to us that Jesus is praying that we would be sanctified by his truth and that the truth is his word. The word sanctified just means simply to set apart. And so if you can just, if you can just put that word sanctify and think of it as set apart, Jesus is really saying to us, to this generation today, to this church today, that we would be set apart in the Word of God because His Word is truth. Church, His Word is truth. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing to me how people believe so many different things and they consider it trustworthy. They consider it just things that that they should buy into, that they should give themselves to, that they should follow. And it's also astounding to me how they can question what God has said every day. They can believe this and put their trust in it, but when it comes to God's Word, well, I just don't know. I just don't know that I can believe that. We know that God's Word is true. Amen? And we know that we can trust it. We can believe it. We can let it impact us so that we can follow it. Psalm 119, verse 105 says this, Your Word, God, Your Word is a lamp unto my feet and it's a light unto my path. And that just simply means that your word is for me today, in the present. I can depend on your word. I can trust your word. I can follow your word. But even as I go through this life, this journey that God has put us on, we can find that his word also is a light that gives us what we need as we follow Christ and as we serve him every day. Praise God. Praise God for His Word and for the truth of His Word. The second thing that I want to mention today is this. Just because we can't see it, God is there and He's working for our best. And those life experiences that we have had, that we have shared, that we've gone through, and even as we look forward to following the Lord throughout our life, just because we can't see it, God is there. And He's working for our best. For our best. I love this verse of Scripture in Philippians chapter 2. And I'm reading from the Amplified Version, verse 13. For it is not your strength, but it is God who is effectively at work in you. 
Just say that with me, effectively at work in you. Now say that a little louder, okay? Effectively at work in you. You understand that, right? You, you realize that, right? And I would, even, I would even submit to you that if you are not a follower of Christ, I would even submit to you that God is at work in your life and you just don't realize it. You just don't know it. You don't understand it. But He is at work in your life. Because the psalmist said that God has written every day of our lives in His book. Right? So whether you acknowledge Him or not, He is at work in your life. But also for us who follow Christ, He is effectively at work in our lives. Both to will and to work. That is strengthening, energizing, and creating in you the longing and the ability to fulfill your purpose for His good pleasure. Fulfill His purpose for His good pleasure. I came across this quote recently, and it says this, God is working behind the scenes in ways we cannot see. He hears your prayers. He collects your tears. He is working all things together for your good and His glory. Brothers and sisters, that is true. He is working all things for your good and for His glory. Listen to these words of the Lord as the Israelites leading up to going into the promised land. This is how God had been with them for 40 years as they went through the wilderness. For 40 years from the time that they left Egypt until the time that they're walking in to the promised land, the Lord says and reminds them of this, for 40 years I led you through the wilderness. Your clothes and your sandals did not wear out. Now, I don't know about you, but I think that's pretty incredible. Your clothes and your sandals did not wear out. How did that happen? Well, first of all, they didn't have Amazon back then. They just couldn't place an order online and, you know, have it the next day. No, it was God. It was God who was with them and working in them that helped them along each year, each day. And their clothing and their sandals did not wear out throughout that whole period of time. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Renewed day by day. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for that. That God is at work in my life, and He is renewing me day by day. I can depend on Him. I can trust Him. And I can believe that He is doing what needs 
to be done in my life each and every day of my life. So then, we do not lose heart. And then he goes on to say, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us. Let me say that again. Are achieving for us eternal glory. An eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Far outweighs any experience. Far outweighs anything that we go through in life. What he is doing is creating an internal glory to Him because He is working in our lives. God is working in ways we're not aware of today. And He's preparing us for eternity. The next thing, the third thing is this. God is with us. Yes, He is with us. And listen, His grace sustains us. His grace is what sustains us. Dr. Billy Graham said this, the will of God will not take us where the grace of God cannot sustain us. Did you hear that? The will of God will not take us where the grace of God cannot sustain us. The Apostle Paul said the Lord told to him, my grace is sufficient. In other words, my grace is all you need. You know, when I was preparing this message, it took me back to the early years of my life and thinking about these stones of remembrance. And I'd like for you just to watch this video as I share what one of these stones represents. We are at Eastboro Arms Apartments on East Kellogg. And the reason why we're here is because of a significant life event that occurred on June 6, 1968, that affected my life for the rest of my life. I had never been here before that day. I was here for a friend's birthday party. We had been swimming and it was late afternoon and early evening. His mother came and called us to come home to the apartment and we were gonna have supper and we left the pool and we ran through this area into the building behind me. We went down some steps and across the hall, there was a large wooden door and just a full-size window on the side of the door. And I hit that window directly and broke the glass and the glass came down. I came back down through the window and hit the ground. Uh, at that point, there was a McConnell Air Force man that lived in the apartment just right near the steps and he heard the glass break and he came out and he saw what had happened. 
He ran and he grabbed all the towels that he could and they wrapped all of my cuts to stop the bleeding. The cuts that I had received were under both of my arms because I had thrown my arms up to shield my face from the falling glass. And then also on my knee where I had hit the window and both legs had a severe deep uh, cuts from the glass and then even one right across my hand that cut so deep it severed the ligament on my finger. Sometime later, there was an ambulance and paramedics that came to me and they took me by ambulance to Wesley Hospital. And at that point, I seemed to lose consciousness after I got to the emergency room. So I was in the hospital for about five days. They took me to surgery and the surgery lasted for six hours. And after counting 600 stitches, they stopped counting. So as we're talking about Stones of Remembrance, this was a significant place that I had decided that I would put a stone to remember what had happened to me 55 years ago. And last week, I was here for the very first time since that day. When I got here, I looked at the place where this all occurred and there was already a stone in place. These stones of remembrance help us to realize what God has done in our lives and where he has brought us as he brought the Israelites through the wilderness. God continues to work in our lives as he's working in my life and continues to lead and help me to do what he has called me to do. I didn't share that so you'd feel sorry for me. <clears throat> but I couldn't even tell you, I don't have time today to tell you how that event and experience circumstances changed my life completely. Even to this day, it's changed my life. It's amazing that, as I mentioned, that we had been swimming and all us guys had was swimming uh, trunks on, and I didn't have any cuts in any of the major area of my body where major organs are, <clears throat> because God was with me. I forgot to mention in first service that I lost a lot of blood. They had to give me four units of blood when I got to the hospital. And you don't live after you've lost about three pints of blood. But God was with me. There's a second stone that had an important effect on my life as well. It happened three years later between my freshman and sophomore year of high school, and I was at a youth camp just outside of Henrietta, Oklahoma. And as we were doing camp that week, and, and um, <clears throat> always loved going to youth camp, on the last night during the service, an invitation was extended to the kids, to us kids, and I was already a Christian, I was already a believer, but I felt the Lord wanted me to go forward. And it was that night 
that I felt the call of God to pastoral ministry on my life. And I don't know if there is a stone there, but in my mind, there is a stone. That chapel, that altar, when God called me to ministry. And that's why I say all of the things that have happened in your life and in my life, for God to work and bring us to where we are now, He gets all the praise. He gets all the glory. And there may be things that you're going through just recently that will never be forgotten. They've had a tremendous impact in your life. And you have a stone that reminds you not necessarily of what took place and what happened but a stone to remember that God is faithful. His word is true. He is present and he's working in your life. And his grace sustains you. All through my life, there's been an old Church of God hymn that has been very important to me. And each time that I... Seeing it, each time that I think about it, I'm reminded of these stones of remembrance. Since Jesus gave His life for me, should I not give Him mine? Unconsecrated, Lord, to Thee I shall be wholly Thine. My life, O Lord, I give to Thee. Accepted as thine own, I'll serve thee, Lord, and faithful be. I'll hear thy faintest call. The second verse. The words are really my verse. I care not where my Lord directs. His purpose I'll fulfill. I know He everyone protects who does His holy will. If you know the chorus of that song, would you just sing it with me? My life, O Lord, I give to Thee my talents, time, and all. I'll serve 
and faithful be. I'll hear thy faintest call. Let us pray. Father, we first just want to thank you for being with us today. Having your hand upon us, but more importantly, working in our lives. Father, we know that we can depend upon you and that we can trust you because, Father, you have given us your word, your word that is powerful, your word that is transforming us and making us into who you desire us to be. Father, I pray that if there's anyone here today that, Father, does not know the power of who you are, the power of your word, and the power of your grace, Father, that they would make a commitment to give their life to Jesus, to follow him, because, God, you are working in an eternal glory in us. And you want to do that with everyone that is here in each of our lives. I praise you. I give you thanks. To you be all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand and receive the benediction? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May he lift up his countenance to you and give you his peace and sustain you with his grace. God bless you.